Hey everyone, and welcome to the House Conspiracy Podcast, a show about the house and on the house. I'm Jonathan O'Brien, and I'm the founding creative director at House Conspiracy. Today, I'm talking April Gibbon. Uh, we talk today about April's processes and her use of color to tell the stories of people in the communities that have surrounded her throughout her life. Uh, we also talk about representation and allyship, and we have some good chats around the ethics of art. But anyway, here's some regular housekeeping. Uh, subscribe to us via podcasts and uh, visit us at houseconspiracy.org to learn about our artists and how we can support you. Um, and uh, finally, applications for our residencies program are still open. So head to houseconspiracy.org slash residencies to apply. I believe it's in sort of its uh, final days. So get onto it. Um, and speaking of getting onto it, now onto the show. April's work has hung around her studio. There's an easel covered in the vibrant colours so definitive of her work, with a canvas of portraiture perched upon it. There are paintings, mirrors, sheets of glad wrap and wool hanging there from wires and walls around the studios. These are all employed in service of April's current pursuit, obscurantism, taking her usually vibrant portraits of people in the queer community who she loves so much and augmenting, or indeed de-augmenting, uh, her paintings in favor of highlighting how maybe there are some elements of others and their experiences that we cannot know. But to get to know an artist, here's April Giblin. Yeah, you're having a good time. Yeah, <laughs> totally having a, nice having a good time. time. <laughs> um, so while you've been here, what have you been working on? I guess whilst I've been here, I've been working on looking at site-specific work a mm-hmm. little bit more than what I would. So I'm usually doing abstract portrait paintings um, on gender and sexuality. So I've brought them in and I'm working on them here, but I'm also looking at just changing the space as well and obscuring how people look at the canvas in a way. So mm-hmm. in the space. So that's what I'm trying to work on. It's a new, it's experimenting for me. So it's, it's good. Yeah, and you're in Studio 3, so you're in the, the biggest studio, so you've got a lot of sort of space to play, and I know we were working on um, hanging some stuff in the studio a couple mm. days ago. Um, yeah. Why, why go with the... Because it was in your initial application, the uh, obscuring idea. Why, why go with that? Um, at the moment, obscuring the portrait, I guess, has a lot to do with reality... I'm a little bit obsessed with, everybody is obsessed with themselves in a manner, but um, our faces and, and look online when you're looking at your profile picture and, and photos and Facebook and Instagram and Snapchat. And it's very much in the last couple of years or even in the last year or two, it's just, it's become the norm to be quite self absorbed mm-hmm. um, in that manner of what you look like and, and um, p- posting what online then. In, in a positive, making yourself feel good, but also in a, an unrealistic manner as well, because everyone's looking at it going, oh, wow, you're having such a good time, but I know a lot of people that aren't. They're struggling with depression, but they look like they're having a good time. Um, and it just gives you this obscured reality, and I was just wanting to play with that a little bit with my canvases. Like, I'm doing portraits of people that have this fantastic, great, strong story, and I wanted to people to come in and, and have a little look at it and then think of more layers of it's not just looking at a portrait there are different things happening here that you might not see. Does that make sense? Yeah, so sort of, <laughs> are, you, are you obscuring the portraits then in a way that might give the portraits a different meaning or is it more about sort of a different aesthetic? 
a different meaning probably to the concept of walking in and looking at a portrait and here's a portrait and it's changed and you can't see the face or the face is you know you need to move around to see it so yep that would be the that aesthetic but also then putting contemporary um societal kind of issues into into the conversation as well with that obsession yeah i Mm -hmm. guess so bringing societal issues into your portraits um what sort of social issues are you dealing with currently Mainly the main social issues that I'm dealing with would be looking at gender and sexuality within our 21st century in the society that we have now. Um, I'm wanting to document people's stories. That's I, I feel mm-hmm. what art does throughout history. We document what's happening. Yeah. And I'm particularly interested in the gender and sexuality in Australia, just how we're dealing with that at the moment, even with politics and marriage equality and Mm -hmm. i'm personally not interested in getting married but i think that everyone should have the opportunity to feel and you know be happy really and do what they want in that society that might not be regulated so much by religion which even then we've got the census just came back recently that most of australia is um, not religious anymore yeah yeah, yeah. well the largest number is non-religious yeah which is quite i think um Australia does host a lot of different religions and I think it's quite supportive in that manner, but I think it, that government needs to maybe change a couple of things. We're a little bit behind. So they're the type of, types of issues that I'm looking at, uh, probably how people um, feel interconnected within society if, if they are a part of the queer, like mm-hmm. such as a society, but the L... LGBTQ movement. Oh yeah, peoples. Did, did you just look at your wrist? Yes, I wrote it on my thumb because the... there's an extra, there's an extra letter in there from when I, I don't know, getting older. That's all right. We've, we've <laughs> Every had... year they add to it, and that's fine. I'm happy for that. Yeah, we've we've had much longer acronyms on this podcast yep. uh, that I've had needed to write down, so I wouldn't worry. <laughs> um, uh, so looking at that and looking at sort of documenting people's stories what's what's the process of because you work in portraiture and mm. acrylic portraiture yep. um uh and i want to talk sort of a bit about your style later but um in terms of turning a story into a portrait yes. what, what's the process yes there? it's quite a a big process i mean i didn't realize how much of a, a process it was until i started doing it um sorry <laughs> uh i i procrastinate a lot I shouldn't say that but I procrastinate a lot and and draw a lot of notes and thinking okay who do I want to actually do and in the past I've done a lot of people that I've found um, online that had interesting faces and bold faces Uh, and then now I'm moving more to the concept like what what's behind it and what am I trying to say but with the people that I've um, that I'm looking at now it's people that I know mainly there's only one or two in this body of work that I'm doing that I am not um, associated with like that I don't know quite closely so I'm, I'm looking at people in my life and that have quite a bold and strong story to what I would think needs to be told and uh, I'm trying to create it in a beautiful strength light not a negative sometimes it can be associated with masculinity or femininity or f- feminism and and um, with the queer people it's, it can be a little bit negative sometimes so I want to you know like oh you know what what do they want or you know that kind of negative how negative connotations of that it's you know in that way of it being something different from Mm. normal society so it can be a bit people can get put out talking about or even just having a 
a gay or a queer son or daughter or something that's it's can be seen as a hard thing or even in our schools and particularly as well so i'm looking at people in my life that have i think a, a good story that i'd like to capture and the main thing that i do with my technique is it's very colorful um yes. just for someone yeah. that you know, can't look at it right now it's in your face colorful and that is expressing emotion that comes from these stories so the process that I go through is I first of all kind of identify someone I think that I can I can grab that emotion from um, and I talk to people and bleed out things from them and I love talking so I love finding out where they're from or what they're doing and mm-hmm. and you know how things relate to them and then I get a little bit of an idea so I've chosen just just through through going out and, and you know going to gigs and and uh, arts nights and things like that I've met a few really nice friends and for example one of my paintings is called Prince of Persia and uh, my friend is, is Persian which is, uh, is which is uh, from Iran so he's from Iran mm. so it's changed and he told me his story and I was just blown away just being a I guess a semi-city country girl in Australia I've traveled and I enjoy that but just uh, his story I thought was really fantastic of um, coming from over there and what it was like and then for him to be a gay as well and move to Australia he's now become an Australian citizen but the fact that if he went home he would be killed yeah um, is just I I can't understand that because I haven't come from that I can only try and communicate my feelings and his story through color and imagery and I tried to capture that in, mm-hmm. in my paintings so that's one person that that I've um I would definitely say that I love these people I, I care about them and that's where the feeling comes from right from like an extension of both what they're feeling and then your empathy and and love for the person and yeah um so is your process do you paint while you talk to them do you take the story meditate on it and then paint like, I don't know if you've seen that Ando show, A Brush yeah, With Yeah, well, that would be fantastic. And he's fantastic. That would be probably really good. But it takes me a little bit longer to paint than probably one sitting. So I uh, get in contact. I usually do up a, a bunch of a series of questions. So I might get in contact online and just have a bit of a chat and say, hey, would you be cool with me? I'm doing this body of work on gender and sexuality, which, which puts forward that it's a, it's probably about their gender or sexuality. Mm. <laughs> and if they're not okay with it, then, then and I haven't had anyone say anything. I'm not. Um, I'm not overtly being like this is what you are and, and that. It's a little bit more relaxed, a little bit more trying to create a calmer conversation about it, not so in your face. And then um, I'll send some uh, questions, usually like a like a word document, just questions, uh, uh, general questions about who they are and maybe what thing, what religion might mean to them, or how if their family has. Um, treated them differently in any way or anything like that so just to try and get that grasp of their support or um, journey through life and then that was for i send the questions to people that might be overseas or unable to meet but if they're willing to meet i'll we'll have a cup of probably a couple of cups of tea <laughs> mm-hmm. and we've um you know and some yummy bickies and things and just chat through and i'll sit there and just write a heap of notes and the notes are just fascinating the stories and I'm trying to write down everything and that I think it's not just what I think is fascinating that I think other people would like to hear um, and enjoy hearing that they're not just looking at a person that's I don't know pretty chilled out and playing video games all day this is somebody that's not that there's anything wrong with that by the way (laughs) but this is somebody that's you know fought really hard to get where they are and they're probably fairly quiet achievers uh, in a way 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, so how you said it takes more than one sitting to yeah. paint one of your paintings. Um, and they're, 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 they're quite detailed despite the fact that they're quite flat yes. paintings yes. in the way that you use color. Um, how long does it take? Yeah. How long does yep. it take for you to complete a work? So you're right. In most of the this body of work, it's say 50-50, um, pretty flat color, and then really detailed segments with lots of kind of brush strokes and mm. lots of different colors moving together. And I probably would sketch up... I've started marking on the backs of the canvases how, how long it would take me, but I mean, on average, maybe 15 hours, mm. maybe 20 hours, depending on how much work but usually in a sitting on a good day it might be like maybe three to five hours of good solid work before my brain just turns to mush and can't hold the brush anymore and it all depends on if I need to eat a banana or have a bit of sugar if I can hold the brush right (laughs) and a lot of people don't understand that it's a full body process to get that the the smallest lines perfect with the brush strokes you need to be completely meditating sometimes like I put music on and just being a little bit of an active person I guess already if I put really calm music on I can some it sometimes it works really well and sometimes I usually listen to quite intense music and it calms my mind instead of it letting letting my Mm. brain kind of fill up and so listening to some pretty full-on drum and bass or dubstep and and it's going a bit wild in my head and I'm able to then physically meditate and just pull off these strokes and they look really nice like when you see with the eyes and things it's it's quite hard work so when when you're when you're doing that that full body channeling particularly for sort of this body of work is Mm. that is that also about sort of channeling the energy of a story all the thoughts all the ideas that you have around your documentation then putting it yes definitely so i'll have my canvas set up um i'll usually sketch up the sketch up the outline in the first sitting but around the whole canvas i'll have the image of the person um that I'm doing some images of colors of things, other things that I might be taking colors from specific birds that they talked about um, or um, temples or places in their life or trees, for example, if that's mean, meaningful to them that we talked about, I'll put that up all around the canvas and I'll take um, little pieces of that that I put into it as I go. And just to note with the meditation, it sounds a little bit funny, but I didn't realize it till I was explaining it to a friend that when I'm doing really precise work, you have to stop breathing for mm. the whole, like the duration of the stroke, or be at the very end or the beginning of a breath. Usually it's you know, just before I'm going to take a breath, and then you get this perfect moment and a perfect stroke. <laughs> is that simply to do with your hands not shaking, or is it also um, to do with the whole just... body? Whole body. So if you're breathing whilst doing that, it just it changes it it might kink a little bit or something like that your hand might be super steady but if the rest of your body isn't following in accordance it doesn't pull through beautifully i guess Hmm. (laughs) but i I find people seem to think that's very interesting i didn't even know i did it until i started really evaluating it and like talking about it and articulating articulating what's been going on um so in terms of because because your style is like I'm doing things with the hands. It's big hands, big hands. Um, it's, it's intense. But yeah, you're people sta- say it's overwhelming. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, overwhelming is is maybe just it sounds too negative, but it's yeah. it's really it's full. It's yeah, really full. Vibrant. <laughs> yeah, it's vibrant and it's full. Um, how did you fall into art? How how did you how did you start practicing? And from there, 
how did your style, when did your style sort of evolve and emerge? Yeah. So all of my life I've been very hands-on and physical. As a child, just enjoyed playing, um, making little pictures in the dirt and all that type of thing, I guess. Those little, little things that have come out with, um, that's the type of person that I, I am, I guess, how I would learn and how I feel comfortable and how I communicate and um, everyone's different and I do it really I like to do it through visual visual stimulation so I've always been drawing and painting and um, making things out of anything really you can give me a pile of wood or dirt or I'll make you something out of it and so I've always been like that so I I grew up in um in Tasmania in the bush where I would be very hands-on chopping things up and playing with things and then I moved to Cairns for my teenage and um yeah early 20s and I decided that I actually wanted to study art like there was not too much more I could do up there I love it up there but it was a bit of a dead end and my I felt like I really needed to do more and there's so much more out there but I just couldn't have access to it so I moved down to Brisbane and went to university and did a visual arts bachelor at QUT which was very contemporary art um, mm. structured so not too much on traditional um, training uh, more just jump in and do whatever you want, make it contemporary, which was <laughs> quite an eye-opener. Did it, it work for you? Um, I found it very hard at, hard at first because there's no structure and and not knowing exactly what area I wanted to do. You know, and, and as an artist, you travel across lots of mediums. But at university, I started doing some abstract color, um, color, not color feel, but color relationship abstract paintings to do with textures, say feather, it didn't look like feathers people it wasn't me painting a feather but I did some abstract paintings that people went oh it looks kind of like fur or a feather and how the colors integrated and that's where I started matching colors and running them together in that manner that you might see in the strokes that happen today in the body of work I'm doing now but the portraits came out of I think just that obsession with the self and I've, I've wrote wrote about it a fair bit like I'll always do a self-portrait or I'm always looking at a people's faces and I'm always analyzing people and their movements and in a in a positive way I mean that's what we do it's, it's we're beings and I think I think about it a lot more <laughs> so I've obsessed with that and then thus after doing lots of different portraits came through painting and then I started in I started doing the portraits in pastels and they're yeah. quite messy and uh not not, ag- not aggressive, but the way that it looks is, is a little bit more um, hands-on than... With because it's not as flat? Yeah, the yeah, there is, there is actually layers in mm-hmm. there. And with the acrylics, you can uh, refine it a lot more and make it a lot m- neater. It shouldn't be neater, just a little bit more chosen. The strokes can be a little... The colours can be a little bit more designed in that way. Well, yeah, because, I mean, neater kind of, for, to me, feels like a good good articulation of it. And um, because because of the way the colors sort of lay out on your canvas, it kind of does look pre-planned. Is it like <laughs> have you fully drawn up where colors are going on your canvas okay. before you draw? Or yeah, I love this question because uh, I have been nailed on it a few times before, and the answer is a little bit. I have a starting point. I've had to think about it. So there was a a starting point where interviewing people so I get an idea of what um, I'll ask them lots of questions about things that they might identify with like colors or objects for example the um, 
like the a temple or like things that mean a lot to them or specific forest or specific plants which then end up those colors become a part of the artwork but if they say that they like dark blues and oceans more than maybe a part of their skin will be that and that's where I get the starting point from and then from there it it just I don't draw it up I don't actually physically draw it up I, I do a little sketch of an outline of how I might want their physical elements their body and their face to be or if I want to add something in I'll, I'll sketch that up and then it's all in my mind I can really create all of the colors in my mind of how how what parts of their body I want to you know to go to be certain colors that'll blend into other parts and I just um have a base understanding in the beginning in in my brain and then I paint from there and they merge together and really it works with not just contrasting colors but how how it feels so I'll be I guess not funneling but channeling the the emotion or that positivity or something from the story and I'll be trying to build that through the use of color and it's completely random sometimes it turns out I I don't always plan what it turns out like it's completely unplanned and you're happy with that like you're not are you a particularly sort of like planned out person like if something do you panic if it's Um, going a different way or sometimes it doesn't go the right way it it really doesn't and what you have to do what I've learned to do is you step back and you have time away from the painting so um, I might do four hour segments and do and then I'll go away for an hour and do something you know take the dog for a run or something come back and look at it and I'll be like look at it straight away and go that's wrong that that doesn't feel right and it's all about the feel for for me it's the the color combination um the layout and whatnot Uh, i'll change it straight away because i've continued on sometimes and tried to work with it and work with it and then in the end it's ruined the whole painting in a way because i should have just painted over that use of the orange next to the blue or something didn't quite work i should have just painted over it so and now i do i just paint i paint over it with a with a base color that i can go over again mm-hmm. and i've just learned that that's a much easier way instead of having an internal conflict with a piece of my painting that's not working <laughs> the whole time and then you get to the final and you should have just done it changed it so yeah definitely and this has all sort of been an emergent learning that interestingly enough started started with you at university mm. um what was it like sort of coming into brisbane to study art did you come alone did you come with your family were you share housing i moved down originally with uh, my boyfriend from Cairns, but mm-hmm. it was a little bit too much for him so i just stayed down here and and yeah stayed on and so i knew one or two people here when i moved down i had a, a couple of good friends but other than that it was all very new and everything if you've never if you've ever lived in Cairns, it's pretty tiny <laughs> i didn't realize that till i've lived in london and then come back to to brisbane and gone wow even brisbane's so little but when i moved to brisbane it was massive and uh you get fined for everything and you 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 know you're driving down the wrong road and all these cool things like busways and stuff but yeah i definitely was it was overwhelming and then coming to uni i found my place at uni i really enjoyed it i it didn't matter if i was i was share housing i found some really fun creative people that were into photography and dance like dancing performance art and um and that was in the queer scene so my best friend was 
uh, is gay and then she all of her cool friends which I thought were pretty cool they're all pretty fun everyone's fun in the queer scene <laughs> we'd all go out and have a great time so I met a lot of people in that way and that might have been the f- fundamental basis for my interest in that because um, I found it such a family and it was me down here on my own share housing with a bunch of gay, gay people and I had a great time <laughs> mm. um, and so yeah so you ended up sort of as an outsider not an outsider but like you're you're not you're not queer yourself i, I know you've mentioned that to me right or um i find it I, no i no, i not at all I, well i have a partner i have a boyfriend but i i find it hard to put people in boxes i think mm. you should probably be a little bit more free to feel how, how you want to like if you want to be attracted to a guy or a girl it shouldn't be put into a box i feel like that but i know people need to have that um I shouldn't say label, but they need that recognition. So I, that those um, boxes are there in a way. But personally, uh, I I would see myself as heterosexual. But then I I'm not 100% sure. I couldn't tell you if I'm asexual or you know like there's there are different things. It's like everyone's all, like I continuously look at that. But yeah, I feel pretty comfortable. I'm probably heterosexual, but I don't really like going down and putting everyone in the little boxes. <laughs> Yeah, but then I guess your work sort of doesn't put people in boxes, but it is focused on a particular maybe set yeah. of boxes. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So um, I haven't, I find it quite interesting people that um, might be intersex or um, or I guess um, might have been from really religious families that turned out really gay. <laughs> <laughs> like super super yeah trans and loving it type thing and i find those things really interesting to that some people just think it's a choice but i don't think it's a choice and i think that people need to see that in a in a nice light Mm. there so my work looks looks a lot at that it's not just a choice (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. and i think i think we're we're further and further seeing the science that yeah there's no way like just about any of it is a choice yeah one of um one of my works in particular is my a done of my cousins um and they're they're two identical twins so two twins they're identical twins and they grew up in uh, a highly religious family and they have so well loved and um lovely family and yeah but the um the father is a i shouldn't say a pastor but he runs the church mm-hmm. um yeah and it's quite interesting because they it was hard for them i think when they they both figured out that they were gay or queer it was really difficult for them because it meant that they weren't allowed to be a part of that religious community anymore which Mm. was their family like it really was so they have the support of their immediate family but maybe a little it's a little bit hard uh, with that learning process of you know i you can't come to church anymore and you can't do these things because the their choice of god doesn't believe in that and so yeah it's an internal you can really the story i got out of uh talking to them is it's an internal conflict of love like uh, it's not it's unconditional it's not unconditional so it's sorry it's conditional love yeah so um one of them is quite a, a struggling with that a little bit because he is definitely gay and he says i'm gay but finds it difficult because he would like to be back with the family and he'd like that and the other one's just he's raging he's in dresses and going out all the time and <laughs> yeah. really found himself and it's it's good but i think they both support and love each other but that's that type of story of 
I don't think it's a choice you know I think that maybe one of them might not have you know maybe really wanted to be gay it was a bit hard for him when yeah mm. in that way but the family's come around and it's it's worked out really well for them so in the end for them it's fantastic but for a lot of people uh, in Australian society it can be quite a negative thing where they can be ostracized quite bad or treated quite badly from their family and people at school or around them yeah, it's it, the climate is changing. I'd like to think. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, you <laughs> definitely. Look, you look at opinion polling, and it's like yeah, definitely I think changing. It's like seventy percent. Yeah. Uh, in sort of a Gallup poll, yeah, uh, pro gay marriage in Australia, which is yeah. exciting. Like the next time Labor is in, we'll have gay marriage. Yep, definitely. Um, I just found it the uh, this subject to be something that meant a lot to me because it was of the people around me all the time mm. and so it meant a lot to them in that way and and it not it didn't affect me I wasn't treated differently and I had all these things I could go do but they couldn't and I just thought I just didn't like that type of thing it felt wrong so I'd like to be a bit of an advocate and support for for these for these people in Australia but I do feel it's um it's definitely changing and it's for the for the best and I like that so it's good Right, the, the idea of allyship. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. through art. Um, I, I want to ask a question um, that is a difficult question <laughs> and that I don't want you to think necessarily reflects my opinion. But do you... <laughs> yeah, yeah, here we go. Here we go. Um, do, 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 do you sometimes see, hear or see the criticism of either your work or others' works that you're speaking for another community and that you shouldn't be allowed to make this sort of nope, that's art. A... And how do you respond to that? Yeah, okay. So I haven't run into anyone yet. Like mm-hmm. I have been doing this for a little while, a couple of years, but I really try to capture their story. So it's not my feelings that I'm putting on to hear it. I do the interview and I, and you know, I do put a lot of effort into those questions and they're their questions as well. You know, it's things that they've put into the conversation. So it's not just directed from my, my point of view. So I do try to collect the information from, from them completely in that way. I only lay, I lay it out and paint it really in that way. But I've had people say to me in the queer community, only really positive or even, um, from you know everybody in that way but I've I've had people say that they think it's fantastic that I'm um painting a minority in a way but also not just a minority but I've had some um gay a couple of gay guys say to me that they they actually think it's quite good that I'm talking about young gay men in my work but also talking about females um because that apparently I'd, I'm not 100% sure but hasn't been done that much then I need to look into it but they were quite they were saying it's unique that I was documenting documenting like um, queer women, and I was like, okay, I didn't realise that. I just thought it was normal, but that is positive feedback, and I thought, okay, that's really good. But I haven't had someone come up and say to me, well, you're not gay, you're not a transgender girl, mm. like you know, who are you? And I feel, I do feel like I'm connected enough with that community that to have that respect in yeah. that manner. That yeah, no, I haven't had any big walls yet <laughs> well it seems it seems to show through in sort of in sort of your process mm. um in the abstract though what what do you think of that sort of criticism like the i, I think it has a you know a, a platform people believe that if you know it's for example if um if you're a man talking about feminism or something like that some people think that's wrong 
And no, you can't understand it at all. But I do think that the man would still have a voice and an understanding from either their partner or their mother or their sister's point of view and and um, it still is valid. So I try and see it. I want people to be as open-minded with me in that manner as well. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. And yeah. Like, look, the, the way I figure it is... Um, you're 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 channeling a style mm. to combine with someone else's story. Yeah, is, definitely is what I figure. You're like yeah. a journalist in a way, right? <laughs> yeah, and I probably would see myself a bit, a little bit like that. Um, and even to mention with, with lovers, I've travelled through my life with my old elder sister, my older sister, and she's she's gay as well. Um, I should say as well with my friends and I've gone through that with her like we lived together and you know in that process of she had a boyfriend and what it meant to her and it not feeling right and things being just her identity and that and over many many years and then how happy she is now and and so I felt that I feel like it was quite close to me in that manner because um, I was really close to her so yeah <laughs> mm. yeah yeah so it very much has like Sounds like it's been something that's literally followed you yeah, through, yeah. through your life. And I need and I've obsessed a bit about it, found it quite interesting. I wanna doc wanted to document it. And um that's what this series of work is at the moment. It's it's me wanting to get not over it, but get this out. Like get it get some get this um idea and, and my want and obsession, get it onto canvases and then I can move forward with I don't know, another another idea or subject matter. But yeah, I just want to collect everything on this and be like, this is how I feel and then I can move on. <laughs> right, like articulating something that has been such a large part of your life or if you want to articulate it differently, uh, the lives of those around you. Yes, constantly. definitely. Yeah, to go from to go from sort of a queer older sister to queer roommates to best friends, best friends. friends. Yeah. <laughs> yep, family, definitely. Yeah, cool. And your works are are beautiful, so I think you are doing a you're doing you're not doing anyone a disservice, <laughs> I don't think. I know everyone that sees them, especially the people that are the subject matter, they like, and I don't make I'm not out to make it look pretty or anything. It's it's just meant to be capturing a moment type thing. They're um they're all quite genuinely blown away just by that that's them and I abstract I choose elements and I put them in there so it, it's the body it's usually um, naked to give it this kind of uh, not like this natural humanistic type feel but then I'll put other elements in the paintings as well that mean a lot to the person so there might be religious elements of the top top of a mosque or something and the twinkled in the background twinkled but it's you know, painted in the background or um, a bird, like a crow or these, these other elements that you couldn't, you probably could really well train a crow, but yeah, these elements are like sitting a crow in your hand and you're looking into its eyes and it's building this strength. But that's the, the abstract, it wouldn't really happen, maybe if you trained the crow really hard, <laughs> but it wouldn't really happen. And I, I enjoy putting that onto the canvas because when people see it, they go, wow, that, that's them. Um, I've had I've had um, my subjects say yeah that was I've really captured that moment but I mean obviously it's not it's something made up in my head <laughs> and actually that's that's sort of um, not to not to sort of harp on about the process but do you get the person to pose do you take photos of their their yep. naked bodies or um, 
Yes, I do. So it's 50-50. They might already have photographs of themselves. So mm-hmm. um, if they've been in a shoot, uh, a modelling shoot, or a, um, a couple of them are artists, like photography artists as well, that use themselves in their work, I might use those images and then just for the figure outline and then I might change everything else about it. <laughs> so the background or the other elements that will be in it. Um, in particular with the... Um, the femininity meets masculinity where it's my friend holding a crow in her hand and she's looking into its eyes it's from the the side of profile view she i got her to pose on the side and i took several different types of angles and photos to get to get the contours right with her arms and the bottom of her breast so that it wasn't too looking at her nipples or anything they're not even in it i wanted to build this strength with um, the body and the muscles in her arms with this animals, this, a light bird sitting in her hand. So, yeah, I definitely set up, take lots of pictures if I can. It's always a lot better to to do that process instead of just going and getting an image off the internet. Mm. It's a lot more depth and reality, really. Yeah, and your your brushstrokes actually kind of do interestingly look like like those not skeletons, mm. but those those bodies the that muscles. you have in like a PE class. Where you've got like the tendons running and the muscle and the flesh. Yep. Yeah, it's quite it's quite visceral in that way, but of course with the color palette you use, it's not. There's no sense of violence. Yes, definitely. I feel that um, visually, I'm trying to capture. It, it is the skin, but it's under the skin, so it's where the muscle would run. For for example, if you put your arm up and you see that muscle that runs down around under your shoulder blade to your to your back it's I really if I was painting that I really would accentuate it um, with the brush strokes so that it's almost like the skin's gone and mm. you're seeing these elements of you know the human the body underneath it and how well and with all the different colors how they all interconnect it's it's like our skin covers up all of the cool things that is inside of us holding us together and I try to capture that with the brush strokes it's there's a lot more to, a depth in it than one kind of skin color <laughs> i like that answer a lot i think <laughs> might draw it to an end there yeah um hey thanks so much for thanks so much for uh sitting down um in order to land the interview um can people find you anywhere online and can people find you anywhere online yes i have a website which is just aprilgiblin.com and i'm also on facebook as well it's um art by april giblin or fabric of space if you want to get all spacey and um, yeah, I'm online, I'm definitely online and I'm interested in collaborating and I love at the moment, yeah, doing portraits. So if anyone has a good story, come and see me. <laughs> what, um, what, what's next for you? Like after t- the end of next week, what, end of what's next? next? Week. What's next after House Conspiracy wraps up? And which will be a very sad moment. I'm very happy to be here, by the way. House Conspiracy has filled a little hole in my little body because I feel I feel like it's made made me feel a bit complete because it's not very often you get to come and hang out with a bunch of artists and just make art and it's your little space and it's your little house type thing so thank you very much that's awesome but uh, next week I go back to work which is I'm a high school visual arts teacher I'm on holidays at the moment making art which is fantastic and then after that um, I'm continuing on to just do small exhibitions and I want to do a body a bigger body of work um, which is what I'm working on now to exhibit later in the year or beginning of next year which is my goal I'm really excited to do that (laughs) wonderful well keep us in the loop um 
I'm excited to see where it goes. Thank uh, you. April Gillen, thank you very much. Thank you. You're awesome. The House Conspiracy Podcast is produced at House Conspiracy by me, Jonathan O'Brien, and Tyler William Morrison. Mixing and editing by Tyler William Morrison. And music by the Reverend Isha Ramdas. If you'd like to support House Conspiracy, you can do so at houseconspiracy.org donate, and you can learn more about what we offer here at houseconspiracy.org. Thanks for listening.